Welcome in, Maize and Blue faithful, to another episode of Victor's Valiant podcast here on maizeandbrew.com. My name is Vaughn Lozon, and joining me as always is my boy, the man, the myth, the legend, Colin Logs. And man, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing doing uh, pretty well. You know, I'm on the podcast. That means it must have been another victory on Saturday. So that that's right. But but the thing is, Andy's not with us this week because he's actually covering the uh, University of Michigan and Central Michigan basketball game tonight. Um, so he's not able to to join us. So I I don't know. This this is one of those weird middle grounds where we got you, but he's gone. But Michigan still won. Kind of confused. Um, but hey, right. I mean, we'll 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 take the win anyways. Uh, how However way we can get it. So, uh, but before, before, that's right. That's right. But, uh, before we get into it, just want to remind the audience once again, that maizeandbrew.com is not the only place you can, uh, listen to all of our podcasts here. You can also listen on iTunes and the Google play store. Um, just go ahead and search maize and brew podcasts and, uh, go ahead and give us a download there. So, uh, moving on though, uh, Michigan, as we said, took on Maryland this past weekend and uh, got the dub in Maryland, 35-10. to 10. Brandon Peters had a 50% completion percentage, threw for two touchdowns, 145 yards. Uh, I thought he looked pretty good. We'll get into that in just a second. Chris Evans led the way in the running game uh, with 15 carries, 80 yards, two touchdowns. Kron Higdon only had 10 carries because he left the game with an injury. We'll also get into that in just a second. Receiving game, uh, most of it was led by the tight ends and running backs. Higdon had two catches, Gentry had a, a, a three catches for a touchdown. McCune had a touchdown. Evans had two catches. McDoom was the only uh, receiver to uh, actually yield the catch, and that was only for two yards down to Peoples-Jones, albeit he had a few targets. Um, one of them was a, a pass interference call uh, that got called for Michigan. Uh, he didn't have any catches in this game. Um, overall, I thought the defense played pretty well. Um, you know, it was kind of rough down the stretch, but that first half – they uh, shut him out, and uh, we were actually watching this game together, Colin, and, and you were you were hoping that uh, Michigan could get uh, the shutout in this one, uh, and I, I was kind of with you. I thought that they were going to get the shutout with how well the defense played in that first half, but things just didn't go their way. In the second half, Maryland kind of had their way with Michigan and uh, all assets uh, of the game, uh, offense, defense, special teams in that second half, but uh, it, it really wasn't enough to uh, uh, pull away with a win for Maryland. Um, I thought Khalid Hudson had another really good game. That's his second one in a row. Tyree Kinnell, I thought, played really well uh, compared to the last couple weeks. Uh, and Devin Bush had a really nice game as well, I thought. But the main thing I want to talk about today, uh, especially with this Maryland game, injuries that piled up in this game, uh, like I said, Ron Higg got injured, so he left and never came in. That's why Evans led the way in the running attack. And uh, on defense, he had both cornerbacks leave the game, David Long and Lavert Hill. Uh, it was confirmed today by Harbaugh that Lavert Hill entered the concussion protocol, and he's still in the protocol as of Monday. And uh, David Long left with a lower body injury of some sort, but I think he was uh, cleared to go back into the game. So it looks like he's okay. Uh, but then also Rashawn Gary left the game, never came back in. Looked like he was having a, a left shoulder injury of some sort. Uh, it looked like the trainers were going for his left shoulder when he was Laying on the ground there, he never came back. He was replaced by Carlo Kemp for the rest of the game, um, but this that was in the fourth quarter, so it didn't really um, didn't really need him to come back anyways with them being up so much. But uh, the one question I want to ask you: with all these injuries piling up, 
Uh, which one is most significant going forward if they're not going to be able to suit up on Saturday against Wisconsin? No, Von, that's a great question considering all these injuries. They're all high-quality players. I mean, it's not like these guys are back up, so they're just like uh, low, lower contributors. These are all major stars in the team, especially, you know, Higdon. Lavert Hill has been their best corner this year. Higdon, obviously the best running back, maybe the best offensive player overall this year. Rashawn Gary, the anchor of the defensive line. Long, your other really good corner, your other starters. So it's, it's tough when all these major contributors uh, – kind of day-to-day right now and you're not sure if they're going to go especially down the two biggest games of the season coming down here but if I had to pick one guy I'm going with Higdon. Higdon's been the workhorse for this offense especially an offense that has struggled in the passing game most of the season. You're bringing in Peters now and I think <clears throat> I think the biggest beneficiary to Peters so far has been the play of Higdon and Evans but specifically Karan Higdon I mean the dude has exploded on the scene. He's the fourth uh, highest rusher in the Big Ten right now. <clears throat> He's gone for 200 yards twice this year. He's went over a buck fifty, I think, a couple other times. <clears throat> really, just been a monster last few weeks, and I think uh, he's just been carrying the offense. And going in, into a game like Wisconsin, you have to be able to run the football. You have to be able to establish on a scrimmage. Higdon gives you the best chance to do that. I really like Chris Evans, but he's more your elusive guy. You need that physical presence, especially between the tackles, and that's what Higdon's been bringing. So without Higdon, <clears throat> I'm sorry to say, but if we don't have Higdon on Saturday, I don't like our chances at all in Madison. I think Michigan barely barely get touchdown, let alone double digits on the Badgers, that tough defense in that tough environment. So Higdon for sure. But then I'd say Lavert Hill is a close second, even over Rashawn Gary. I just think uh, Lavert Hill has been your anchor in the secondary so far this year. Hasn't allowed a touchdown yet. Has one of the best uh, PFF grades of any quarter in the country. So I'd say, I'd say yeah. Higdon, but Lavert Hill a slight second as of right now. Yeah, I, I was going to say Higdon as well, but I was really going to make the case for Levert Hill before you uh, said it. Yeah, like you said, Pro Football Focus has been raving about Levert Hill all season. I don't believe he's given up a touchdown pass uh, or a touchdown reception. If I'm wrong, go ahead yeah, no, and, and uh, tell me. Know. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think he did. So he hasn't given up a touchdown. He's got two interceptions, one of them being a pick six. He is uh, he he's an all American in, in in my opinion. He's been a lockdown cornerback all season. Uh, it seems like whenever he's on the field, uh, people, uh, quarterbacks, opposing quarterbacks are just not wanting to throw his way. The uh, receiver that's being blanketed by Lavert Hill is just being shut down. You saw what happened when you played against Indiana and uh, Minnesota with uh, uh, Tyler Johnson. He was shut down. Um, what Simi Cobbs, the Indiana receiver, he only had a couple catches. Lavert Hill was over those guys all game. They barely contributed to their offense. Uh, so yeah, he's he's the lockdown cornerback that Michigan needed with Jordan Lewis leaving and uh, uh, Channing Stribling also uh, departing for graduation. So it, it was gonna be it was either gonna be him or David Long to step up. David Long's been really good all season as well, but obviously Lavert Hill's been your best cover corner. And and you know I I have faith in Brandon Watson. He's pretty good. At the corner position, uh, Ambry Thomas, he, he hasn't had a whole lot of uh, experience on defense. He's been more so a, a punt return or a kickoff returner and a special teams contributor. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, Karan Higdon, it's a big loss. Uh, but you got guys like Chris Evans, uh, Kareem Walker, and then hopefully Ty Isaac comes back this weekend as well. It looked like uh, or it seemed like Harbaugh had uh, positive news about Ty Isaac uh, coming throughout this week, as he said in his weekly press conference today on Monday, uh, the, that it looks like good news for Ty Isaac to play on Saturday. But at this point, who really knows? That's what they said about Mike Onwenu uh, last weekend, and he didn't play against uh, Maryland. They had Cesar Ruiz at right guard um, again for the second straight game. So really, who knows? Um, but 
if I had to choose one, I would probably go with Lavert Hill. Uh, but yeah, Karan Higdon definitely a close second with with really how how great he's been. Yeah, I got to say Hayden just because you need offense. Like, you can't just keep relying on your defense to bail you out in every game. We saw how well that worked in Happy Valley. Your defense got, you know, destroyed, and the offense had no response. In a, in a big environment like this, you can't rely on the defense to keep yeah. them under double digits. And if the only way you're going to get 14, possibly 21, 28 points is with a, a solid running game, I think the only way you get that against the Badgers is with a healthy Hayden and Evans. I think you need both of them, but especially Hayden, just because he's been your guy all year. He's your hardest runner. He doesn't, you know, uh, stutter stuff in the backfield. He just gets north and south, doesn't fumble the football, is a good pass protector. I think he's your most uh, dynamic. Or maybe I'd say Evans is the most dynamic, but uh, Hayden is your most consistent. We can go with consistent, I think, is a good word. Right. We, we yeah. Him in the backfield. No, that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Lavert Hill is another big one. But also, yeah, Harbaugh did say positive news for Higdon as well. It seemed like it's positive news for all the guys, except for Lavert Hill, which he's kind of up in the air right now. Like you have no idea whether today or tomorrow he'll pass this protocol or even right before the game. So that's kind of the biggest right. problem in the air. But Harbaugh did say, if I saw all of the quotes and all that right, that it is positive news for Hayden as well. So hopefully he can play because I'd be devastating not to have him in the big game. Yeah, it looked like positive news for, for most of them, like you said, except for Lavert Hill. Rashawn Gary was available to the press after uh, Coach Harbaugh talked. So that's always positive news. And he said that, that he was feeling good, but it just he wasn't feeling good at that moment when uh, his injury popped up. But now that he's all good, hopefully he should be able to go. But yeah, I mean, uh, especially with how iffy the safeties have been in pass coverage. I mean, we, we were watching this game together on Saturday, and I was talking about how the safeties have been a liability in the pass coverage this season, especially the last few weeks uh, against Penn State and all these other uh, teams that Michigan has played. And it, it kind of popped up again against Maryland at times uh, this Four string walk on quarterback being able to throw across the field at any given time to these safeties. Tyree Kinnell, like I said, he had a good day, uh, but it was mainly in, in a rush defense. Yeah. And, and it's not like uh, uh, Josh Metellus is, is proving to be a, a good cover safety by any means. So obviously the safeties, both of them uh, ha- have uh, <clears throat> positive days in the run game, uh, run defense. But when it comes to pass coverage, they, they can't cover a guy to, to save their life. It, it seems like They've just been struggling all season, and and I think that that is a main reason why not having Lavert Hill would probably be the biggest loss, uh, especially on defense. I, I think that, um, you know, I I think Michigan could live without Rashawn Gary. You know, they've got the other defensive linemen uh, capable of getting to the uh, quarterback, Maurice Hurst and uh, Chase Winovich, just being a couple of those guys. And we saw how how good Devin Bush has been, and uh, all those other guys uh, filling in. So I I think that they could live without Rashawn Gary, but. Uh, having Levert Hill uh, not be in that secondary would uh, be a big blow uh, if they're not able to play or if he's not able to play against Wisconsin on Saturday. So I guess we will just find out. Uh, but I kind of want to move on to this Wisconsin game and uh, uh, you know, really just get a few takes from you at, at what really you are expecting to see. Um, you know, it could be anything offensively, defensively, uh, special teams. Maybe Quinn Nordine makes a field goal, Colin. Is is that a is that a bold thing to say at this point? <laughs> but uh, what what are you expecting to see uh, more or less come Saturday? Well, I fully expect Quinn Nordine to answer the bell this week and hit a couple field goals and hopefully all of his extra points as well. Oh, I mean, there we go to get out of a slump. But that's what happens to all kickers, especially freshmen. It's all a head game for those guys. I mean, it's such a weird spot to be in. It's almost like the closer role in baseball. Second, those guys just have a break in confidence. It's almost like it mm-hmm. shatters for them. 
But a coach like Harbaugh knows how to get into his mind, knows how to rebuild him. I believe the quote I saw today was, get your jo- get a bigger jock strap and kick the next ball through the uprights or something like that is what he said to Kim <laughs> Nordin, Or what he told the media, what he said to him. So that's kind of funny. But yeah, I fully expect him to bounce back. And I expect, uh, I expect Peters to make some throws and surprise some people in this game, actually. I think Wisconsin's going to respect the run game so well. The safeties are going to be in. The linebackers will be really close up to the line of scrimmage. I expect Peters to take a couple shots downfield and hopefully hit you know, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Maybe Grant Perry, if he plays for a couple shots, Eddie McDoom. And then obviously the big tight ends, you know, Gentry and McEwen. I expect those guys to have a big game. Yeah. So I expect Peters to surprise some people. But I also think there will, he'll, eventually he's going to have to throw an interception or this offense is going to have to turn the ball over. I think there will be a couple costly turnovers in this game. Um, I'm not liking Michigan's chances huge in this game, just with the way the Badgers are coming in and the fact that Michigan hasn't won a road game against a ranked team since 06, believe it or not, which is so frustrating and incredible at the same time. Yeah. But I expect the defense to keep a minute, and I think it'll be close. And I think halfway through the fourth quarter is eventually when you'll see the Badgers maybe pull away a little bit with, uh, with due to their home crowd is what I would say. Yeah, um, it, that's not too much of a stretch, I would say. I, I think that that's all pretty accurate, Colin. But I expect, I also expect Peters to to throw some deep balls, kind of like what he did against Maryland. It, it's been a slow progression for him. You, you're easing your way with him into the offense. You didn't see very many deep balls against Rutgers in his first game. And then uh, against Minnesota, he had a few. Then this past week against Maryland, he had a few, one of which was a really nicely placed ball that was called for that pass interference on Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think he does throw a little bit more, especially with Wisconsin having the number one rushing defense uh, in the Big Ten, uh, not to mention just the number one total defense in the Big Ten, but they also have the number two passing defense uh, in the conference. So uh, it, it, yards are going to be very hard to get in this game. This is going to be a very defensive battle. I, I wouldn't be surprised if if this if this was something like last season where it was fourteen to seven was your final score, I would not be surprised if that was uh, a very similar score into this game at all. I'm just gonna say right now the big my Big Ten betting line story isn't completed yet, but I'm certainly taking the under at whatever it is um, for this game. I don't know what the under the over under is, but uh, I would definitely bet the under if I were you, if you are a betting person, but. Uh, I, I don't really expect the rushing game to do all that well, honestly. Um, you know, I guess it all just depends on if Higgins is able to suit up or not. But with Ty Isaac coming off an injury, um, you know, I don't think Chris Evans is really the guy to to put in at running back with a defense like Wisconsin being very hard nosed, hard tackling uh, defense. I think you would want someone like Higdon or uh, or Kareem Walker or Ty Isaac to to rush up the middle and try and get. Uh, positive yardage that way. I don't think the East and West running is really going to work in this game, uh, but I expect this to be very low scoring. I expect this to be very defensive. Um, you know, like I said, 14 to seven wouldn't be a surprise whatsoever. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly hope you're right with uh, Quinn Nordine making a couple field goals. That would be great. Even if I, I don't know if they're going to be able to get into field goal range on several occasions, but um, you know, it, it would certainly be a, a confidence boost nonetheless if he was able to kick one through because you know as we saw Harbaugh was not very uh very happy with him on Saturday and it didn't look like he was very happy with himself so if he's able to get a couple um that would be really good but uh um another thing I want to see more development from the wide receivers um I you know I'm not sure if Kakoa Crawford's still injured at this point I didn't see him one time on Saturday so I, I I would assume that he's still injured 
But, uh, you know, the only receiver that we we really see out there is DPJ. We don't we haven't seen much of McDoom. We haven't seen much of Grant Perry. Yeah. Uh, we've got uh, Michigan's got these uh, mm-hmm. uh, two, a couple running backs, a couple tight ends, and then Donovan Peoples-Jones uh, on the offense uh, for any given play, it seems. So to get the progression of these receivers going, they right. need to establish, uh, you know, something. I, I, the the rushing and receiving game against Maryland was pretty balanced. I th- I think the rushing uh, only had like fifteen, yeah, it was fifteen more yards than uh, the passing game. Uh, it was one hundred and sixty rushing, one hundred and forty five receiving. So uh, it, it's good that they're able to balance that uh, their offensive attack. But they need to get these receivers involved. Donovan Peoples-Jones, is he's as electric as an a, of an athlete as anyone on the team. And, and he needs to step up in a big way. He needs to be able to create separation from these cornerbacks so Brandon Peters can uh, you know, get him the ball and, and not have to rely on Zach Gentry, not have to rely on Sean McCune or dumping it off to Chris Evans in the flat for just a couple yards when they could be launching it deep and trying to get 30 yards. Um, so I, I think the receivers need to get action in this game, no doubt, in my mind. Oh, I completely agree, and I've been calling for this for weeks. Like, yeah, it's nice to have, like, five, six tight ends or have fullbacks or have running backs that can catch the football. But if you want to win big-time games, you want to win a conference championship and go to a playoff, you have to be able to hit your wide receivers. You have to have some resemblance of a downfield passing game, and you can't always just hit your – against the good teams, you know, Sean McHugh and Zach Gentry aren't going to be wide open over the middle for 50-yard touchdowns. That's just not going to happen. You need the big plays, and you need those from your big play players, your speedsters on the outside. And I don't, I don't know if it's just the fact they don't have a wide receiver coach. I don't know if Pep Hamilton's shot just not putting them in a position to be successful. I remember after the state game, Bumgarner came out and said after he looked, it looked at the tape that the wide receivers were trying to run NFL routes and they're just not ready for that, especially being younger players. And he said they're just making life too hard on them, you know, coming out of their break. They're taking too long to come out of their breaks and get downfield. So it just makes life easy for the cornerback, but not the wide receiver. So I don't know if it's just all a coaching thing, but they need to try to get these guys uh, established. I agree. I agree, Vaughn. Next year, we're going to have so much talent at wide receiver. That talent doesn't matter if mm-hmm. we don't have any experience. This is the year to get those guys experience. Donald and Peoples-Jones should be targeted five, six times a game. I don't care if it's just like a little jet screen or yeah. something like that. You don't always have to try to throw it 50 yards downfield for him. And for goodness sakes, can we, can we hit one of those for once? It seems like he's been wide open so many times downfield they miss him. But also get Grant Perry, you know, more yeah. touches, more looks across the middle. I know State did that a bunch to start the year. I want to see more of that. Get more um, more of those um, jet sweeps to McDoom, which he excels in. And when Crawford comes back, you got to use yeah. him too because, you know, he's a, he's almost like an in-betweener. He's almost like a mix between a slot and an outside receiver. Use that too. Use these dang guys. I know a lot of them are hurt, but when they get back, and hopefully this week most of them get back, use them because I'm tired of seeing every pass go to a dang tight end because that's not <laughs> how you're going to win big games. Exactly. And I, I think a lot of it, I, I, I think you're right on with that. And I, I, I think with Tariq Black's injury really hurt uh, the way that they try to set up uh, the receiving game as well. And then Kankoa got hurt and then Grant Perry got hurt. And really the only receiver that was left standing was Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, so it, it, it's really hindered the... Uh, Nico Collins got hurt too. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about him. Nico Collins as well, the other standout freshman. And they haven't used Oliver Martin at all in the receiving game. Uh, McDoom hasn't really been utilized all that much. So it's really hindered this offense this season. But next season, uh, we should see definitely a different kind of offensive attack uh, with with this young Wolverine team. But uh, uh, running out of of time here, uh, I'll ask you one more question, Colin, and I'll let you go. What's one bold prediction that you have? Uh, for this game on Saturday. 
Bold prediction is that uh, Brandon Peters throws for over 200 yards, but Michigan ultimately loses is what I'm going to say. Like I said before, I think uh, he makes some plays downfield. And I also think he can do some stuff with his legs that will surprise Wisconsin. But I just mm-hmm. think they're going to respect Michigan's run so much. They're going to dare Michigan to be in with the passing attack. And I think he will make some plays that will put Miss- Michigan in a position late in Madison to pull this one out. I think he makes a couple big throws, but ultimately he will have a big turnover is, uh, is my bold prediction. All right. I can, I, I can deal with that. I, I think, uh, I think my bold prediction would be the offensive line only gives up two sacks. And I, I think that that is pretty bold, especially considering how bad the pass protection has been. And obviously you're, you know, not giving up any sacks against Maryland isn't really that big of a deal. Their pass rush isn't that fantastic. Uh, you, we saw what happened against Penn State. We saw what happened against Michigan State. These elite defensive lines are being able to get to our quarterback and uh, uh, cause at least some quarterback pressures, uh, if not resulting in sacks. I don't know how many times specifically O'Corn was sacked against Penn State. I want to say it was seven, um, you know, if if not more. So to be able to uh, limit the sack totals for Wisconsin to two, I think that would be as bold of, of a prediction as I can offer up right now. Um, I, I think the run blocking has been really, really good at times, but the uh, pass protection has just been uh, pretty, pretty brutal, honestly. So hopefully, hopefully, uh, Wenu, if he comes back, hopefully uh, that'll add a little bit to the uh, pass protection. Cesar Ruiz is still getting his feet wet in that regard, so um, that would certainly help. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll just find out if if we're on point with all this stuff or not, Colin. But uh, that is all we got today. Um, make sure to tune in next week where uh, hopefully we uh, uh, recap another Michigan victory and and uh, preview the game, uh, the always anticipated game between Michigan and Ohio State. So uh, make sure to tune back in. That's right. That's Yep, that's right. So make sure to tune back in to uh, Maize and Brew for uh, all of our coverage and all of our podcasts and everything that we got going on here. Uh, for Colin, my name is Vaughn. We'll talk with you guys next time. Go Blue. Go blue.